Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to Haken, an Animal Crossing podcast. This week, Sergio and Nina are left alone. Where's Chewie? He's gone. <laughs> Welcome to Haken, an Animal Crossing podcast. This week, while Chewie is away, Sergio and Nina gets a play. No. <laughs> Welcome to Haken, an Animal Crossing podcast. Your podcast dedicated to all things Animal Crossing. Episode 225 is brought to you by all of our lovely patrons. They are the reason we get to enjoy this every single week. This episode is also possible thanks to our producers, For the Whim, Tiger Yudi, Tab, Mikey Toe, and Lazy Villager Megan Leslie. This week, Nina, Sergio, and I are not together, so we'll each bring you a different topic. Nina will provide a Ninart segment, Sergio will talk about Animal Crossing game design, and I'll discuss how the Switch hardware held New Horizons back. So to begin, here's Edwin and Nina. Welcome to Haken, an Animal Crossing podcast. This week, while Chewie's away, Sergio's going to talk about game design in Animal Crossing New Horizon. And Nina, well, you know Nina, she's going to talk about art. It's true. <laughs> I'm your guest. And that's Edwin. I'm your guest, Edwin Mejia. I'm your guest, Edwin. There's Edwin. I don't know. We'll see what he wants to use. Yeah, we'll see. Okay. Well, to get started, uh, hi, Nina. How are you doing? <laughs> Edwin, how are you? I'm doing great. It is, uh, you know, this podcast usually records on a Sunday, and we're keeping with that tradition. And uh, later tonight, I will be watching the batman starring <gasps> robert patterson right. and zoe kravitz and uh paul dano um mm-hmm. and edward cullen yes uh mm-hmm. he's gone full circle from vampire to bat you know that mm-hmm. that old chestnut oh, and said Ced- cedric diggory is gonna be in it too yeah yeah mm-hmm. um so nina you've in- invited me to talk about art today i know i don't know what specifically but let's <laughs> You know what? This is your podcast. Why am I talking so much? <laughs> You're loud. Um, I'm here to talk well to bring the the listeners another episode of everyone's favorite segment. Nina pretends to be Blathers and talks to you about the art that's displayed inside the museum on your New Horizons Island. Nart. No. Nart. <laughs> no. Nart. Oh my gosh. Um, anyways, we've been going through alphabetically, um, all through the art by its Nintendo name. So right now we are going to be talking about the Calm painting, which is, uh, which came to Animal Crossing in City Folk, actually. Um, but I wanted everybody to get to know you first, Edwin. Are you ready? Oh, oh yeah, sure. Go, uh, go ahead. Go ahead, caller. Well, Edwin, Edwin's a long time listener of Haken, a good friend of Haken. Some would say the longest, uh, longest time listener, the 
least amount participator of this podcast. It's true, though you did help with our Haken calendar uh, years ago. I did, yes. I I helped with the layout of the calendar. I even did, um, I think it was just January that I did. I did a certain, uh, I forget which months I did. I don't have my calendar on hand, so I can't pull it up to see which which months I did of the character ones. But I know you did the ones that are more hand-drawn. Some of them, I forget. No, I did, did the faces for February. Yes. And then, yeah, the ones that look like they were, they're kind of flat. Those are the ones that I did. They uh, flat. Yeah, they, they're flat. Yeah, they look flat. Aww. But they're like, that's kind of the intention I went, I went with it. Of like, they're like little icons. Yeah, icons. Yeah, I think that's the more appropriate term <laughs> of it being icons. Um, and then I forget who uh, who did it. Um, Chewy, please. The other oh, artists did all of them. Yes. Whoever it was. We'll have to find out. Yeah, Chewy, please insert yourself saying who that was and giving, uh, giving them a <laughs> shout out. I think you're giving Chewy too many editing takes. He He's not much. He doesn't like to edit too much. Oh, that is right. <laughs> we'll find out. <laughs> yeah. Hey, everybody, this is Chewy, inserting myself in the future. Davin is the artist to this. He's a really good friend of mine. I used to work with him. I actually just got to see him not too long ago, but the best place to go and follow him is on his Instagram account called I Draw Random Followers. Literally, that is what the Instagram account does. He draws random people who follow him. So if you have an interest in that, go check it out. It's pretty awesome. Anyways, I will let Nina and Edwin take over from here. Bye. Um, but Edwin, I wanted to to uh, ask you some questions about the museum, um, specifically the Museum of New Horizons, because, you know, that's what this segment is all about. Um, and also, I wanted to ask you um, a little bit about Chewy, because because you went to college with Chewy, didn't you? Yes, I met him my freshman year um, at UC Riverside. I don't know if that's revealing too much. Uh but we both started out um, in the same dorm. And then uh, he was one of the uh, few people that I really connected uh, to in that dorm room. And we've been friends ever since. Adorable. Tell us your favorite Chewy college memory. Um, There are uh, very, very like a vast amount of Chewy memories. (laughs) Um, but I think the most appropriate memory that I have uh, with Chewy is an Animal Crossing related one. Uh, Chewy got me, I would say Chewy was the person that got me into Animal Crossing. He had his GameCube set up in my apartment and um, because my apartment was the go-to place t- for people because it was so close to campus. Okay. Um, we just played video games and hung out, watched movies and he got me into playing, uh, I believe it was City Folk. Mm-hmm. I think it had uh, which one still had Acres. Uh, the only one that's ever had the Acre system is the GameCube one. Yeah, so it's that one. Yeah, so it was that, it was that one. Is that City Folk? Um, I, don't, I don't know the so name. The population growing. Population growing. I'm so sorry, everyone. I'm mm-hmm. I'm not as knowledgeable <laughs> as everyone else. Um, so I I, I really like the Acre system, and even uh. Even when um, New Leaf came out, I was like, no, this rolling pin will not do. I need the acre system, just just to be funny. Um, but when New Leaf came out, we had all pre-ordered uh, at our local GameStop by our university. And on the way back to my apartment, because 
there was four of us in the car with Chewy. Chewy was driving. I believe it was his brother and my roommate, Sal, who were also in the car. We were probably two, three blocks away from where he normally parked in order to go to my apartment. And he got rear-ended. Mm. <laughs> While you guys had games in hand? Games in hand. So, uh. so whatever we had going on that day, like in prep of playing New Leaf, it was pushed by however long that uh, interaction <laughs> of Chewy, like, oh, here's my insurance information, here's my driver's license. And then we got home, didn't even matter. We were just playing Animal Crossing for the rest of the day. Oh, oh. did I mean, did the insurance pay for everything at least? Uh, that's a Chewy question, but I'm going to say yes, because we were, Chewy is a very safe driver. I, I like that to be known. Um, and he was making a right turn, was stopped, and then the person was just not paying attention. So, oh, such is life. Such is life. Well, good one. Tell us uh, about your favorite museum exhibit. My favorite museum exhibit. Um, I wasn't really much of a museum person growing up, so I didn't really have any um, any favorite like thing to go to museums. Uh, Chewie will make fun of me um, because he knows that I went to a private Catholic school and therefore do not know how to properly pronounce dinosaur names. Um, and he will make fun of me for that. Uh, so the fossils was kind of like a hit or miss kind of thing. Uh, we have like a pretty popular aquarium in the aquarium of the Pacific and long beach near here, but that was something that I more went to when I was older. Um, but you know, bugs, they're everywhere. So I like to I like the bug, um, the, the bug part, um, exhibit in new leaf was one of my favorite parts. And especially once we entered into like that butterfly room in Ooh. in New Horizon, I was just like, "What? What was that thing that we watched <laughs> in New Leaf?" That it it like it just overshadows. Uh, this museum just overshadows New Leaf and every museum before, like truly, truly. It but, does. Um, I think for the the butterfly room was the most awe inspiring, but just my very favorite like little tiny part of the museum has to be that once you have enough uh, beetles, um, they just duke it out on that tree and they're fighting on that huge tree, on that yes. huge tree in the upper right hand corner. And they will be there forever fighting. I love too that they switch out. Like if you go out of the room and back in, it could be two different beetles fighting. Yeah. Oh yeah. So it's very much like a, it's not, they, they do it because, you know, there's a friendly competition, not so much that they want to win. It's, it's like, hey, I'm strong, but I'm also strong. You know, it's a, it's a friendly fighting. You know, you know, when you friendly fight with your siblings? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't know. I, I don't have siblings. I don't know why I made that comparison. <laughs> it's like Pokemon. Oh, yeah, yeah, see. But in the end, the Beatles don't exchange bells, uh, you know, for, for, for winning. Right, exactly. <laughs> Love it. Well, thanks for sharing. Of course. Um, so we're going to be talking today um, about the Calm painting, which is more famously known as Sunday Afternoon on the Island of La Grande Jatte by George Surratt. Um, this is like a super enormous, famous, like pointillism painting. Um, of some fancy people in a park standing and staring out at 
the sin. Do you do you know this painting at all? Uh, yes, and I think most people would be familiar. I think this has to be in your notes with its appearance in uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off as the painting yes. that, Cam- that Cameron uh, looks at. Yes, it uh, that is in my notes. That it's um comes just before the iconic parade scene when Ferris sings uh what is it Twist and Shout? What yeah, Twist sing? and Shout. He definitely sings Twist yeah. and Shout. Um I, I was reading more up into this because it's such an interesting scene in uh in Ferris Bueller's Day Off and um the director was talking about how he wanted this to be like a love letter to Chicago because he always would spend like afternoons in this uh, art institute of Chicago looking at different paintings. So he, he put all his favorite paintings in the different shots, which I think is cool. Oh, that is cool. I think the director famously is known for being from Chicago. It is. Yeah, he is. John, what? John Hughes. Thank you. Yeah. John Hughes. Yes, yeah. John, John Hughes. Hughes famously loves the city of Chicago. So that's, that's nice that he like wanted to include a love letter to Chicago, which Ferris Bueller kind of in its way, is there's very a lot of popular sites in that movie mm-hmm. yeah i will i'll work backwards then since i'm starting with my extras and my fun facts another fun fact <laughs> is that this uh there was a play made uh i think like in 1984 um called sunday afternoon in the park by stephen sondheim and james lapine and the play became so synonymous with this painting that the painting is often referred to Sunday afternoon in the park, even though that's not its name. It's just the name of the play. Having, Um, having never heard of that play, I did know it as Sunday afternoon in the park. Like if I ever, if I ever wanted to look it up, I was like, what's that painting of like people in the afternoon in the park? I would, those would be my, (laughs) those would be my keywords in order to look for it. So having, having no relation to the play, that's so funny. I and I feel like that's how I was taught it in art school. That's what everyone called it Sunday afternoon in the park, but it's not the name. So that's the other uh, fun fact I've got going. You know, I really enjoy this segment because you just learned so many things. This uh, that's why <laughs> Ninart, you know, n- number number one segment. No, that's <laughs> not what it's called. Doesn't matter. Let's keep going. Okay, so. Uh, this was this was painted in 1884. Uh, well, between 1884 and 1886, um, it's oil on canvas. Um, and again, like I said earlier, it's a it, it depicts a lot of people on an island in the Seine in Paris. Um, most of them in very fancy outfits, um, hats, umbrellas, pets. There are people boating. There are people sitting. Um, but everyone is kind of stiff, and most people are in shadow, um, which which we're going to talk about in a second. Um, but it it's also enormous. I don't have the exact dimensions in front of me, um, but if you've seen Ferris Bueller and you see Cameron in front of the uh, the painting, it's it's a big boy. Yeah, so. it's huge. It's enormous mm-hmm. because even that shot of in Ferris Bueller where Cameron's looking at it, there's so there's uh, here's where I go a movie about this, about this is that they keep zooming in on Cameron's eyes as mm-hmm. he observes and is being absorbed into the painting in a sense. And mm-hmm. you see a lot and lot more detail of the painting. So in order to get that much detail, either 
they had to use like some kind of um, macro lens, but even still, just to get that much detail, that painting has to be huge. Yeah. Well, and it keeps zooming in uh, both on Cameron and on the young girl who's dressed in white, um, who's the only person looking at the audience, um, looking out of frame, and um, one of the only people in the sunlight. So it's it's, uh, it's it's super interesting that they kind of mirror each other in that way. Yeah, definitely. Um, in New Horizons, if you donate uh, the calm painting to Blathers, he, well, he doesn't. I wish he still talked about it. But if you go and then look at the painting, it says, Surat, known as the founder of Neo-Impressionism, invented the use of brightly colored dots. His method, which does not involve mixing pigments, took time. This piece, for instance, took two years it shows a crowd enjoying a day off at the River Seine in France. Um, and actually, we're going to talk a little more about Neo-Impressionism and the way that he does not mix colors, but creates lots of hues because it's fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> well, go off, to Queen. Me, at least. Go off, Queen. Okay. <laughs> so um, we're going to start with Neo-Impressionism um, because this is a teeny tiny... Uh, movement that only lasted like a few years. It was from 1886 to 1891. Um, and it basically died with Seurat, even though he wasn't the only artist that was part of this movement. Um, but after the rise of Impressionism, artists began to look for like new techniques and to keep pushing the art world further. Um, many artists loved that impressionism kind of shocked the art world and turned everything on its head. And they wanted to continue doing that. They, they were tired of, of art being just like stagnant realism. So painters like, um, Seurat and another neo-impressionist, um, Signa, I don't know how to say his name. I'm so sorry. S I G N A C, um, began to turn towards science. Um, so they could kind of change the art world's understanding of of light and color. Um, they were kind of very scientific about it, too. When everyone else was trying to create, like, movement and stuff, they, they were, um, you know, much more direct. So they created uh, pointillism and divisionism, which tricks the viewer's eyes into seeing blending colors, when there's only just one color next to a different color. Like, for example, there's dots all over the canvas. And, like, if there's blue dots next to amber dots, then when you stand back, they read as, like, tan or brown tones. So your eye mixes them on their own. Kind of like how old comic books were created, too. Yeah, um, and I, I, I think that's kind of like how TVs work nowadays. It's mm-hmm. it's just red, blue, and um, yellow, I believe. Just like those primary colors of here's these two colors right next to each other. And if you're just by being far away enough, you see a completely different color. Yeah, it's bizarre. I, and... I think it shows too in in Ferris. Sorry to keep bringing it back to Ferris Bueller, but it shows too. Once, like the more it zooms into that little girl's face, the more you can see that it's not really a face anymore. It's just <laughs> dots all next to each other. It's fascinating. Yeah, it's very cool. Um, the other cool thing is that. <laughs> 
<laughs> this movement was not well received. Um, it, and maybe that's why it didn't last very long. Um, and there was only a few people that were part of it. But the art world at the time was inspired by movement and kind of anarchy. Um, and Seurat and his fellow neo-impressionists, like I said, were, were kind of making like a calm and quiet move towards science and color. They weren't being loud about it. They were just doing it. Um, and people were like, no, you need to, you need to, you know, be <laughs> revolutionaries. And they're like, well, we're just having fun painting with our science over here. Um, and Sunday afternoon, um, was kind of critiqued for having these figures that are so static and so immobile and, uh, you know, they just don't look like they're even having fun, even though it's a, you know, it's a day off at, at the sin. Um, but it was kind of like a statement on the classist system in uh, Paris at the time. These are like the higher class people who are, are hanging out under umbrellas in shade under the trees, getting away from the heat of the city, um, while also trying to appear super noble and poised. Um, in contrast, the, the painting Seurat finished before this one, um, which is called Bathers at Anier. Um, these are like lower class people who are in the river or reclined or like in super casual outfits. And they're just kind of enjoying the sun and the water without care. Um, so I think these two pieces are super interesting when they're next to each other because he's showing like this stark difference of, you know, Paris's past and Paris's future, which was the working class system. Oh, yeah. The, I Yeah, I think if you imagine them, it's just like how wealth is so performative i guess in a way mm -hmm. and just like people being dressed to the nines and like their multi-layers and on a hot day and just trying to take as much shade as they possibly can is like a great contrast to you know the lower class people who are just like i am what i am and i'm just enjoying the the, the river yeah yeah absolutely anyways so that's our that's our painting for this week well you know it's not a weekly <laughs> It's not a, a weekly segment, but there we go. That's Sunday afternoon on the island of La Grande Jatte. Awesome. That was your Ninart segment. It could be weekly. No. Put it in the comments. You want Ninart to be weekly. No, they take too long. They take too long to look up. Bi-weekly. <laughs> there you go. That's a little easier. Anyways, thanks for joining us, Edwin. That was fun. No, that was great. I, I really enjoyed that. Always love learning about art and culture and how it pertains to Animal Crossing. Not We're going to bring you back for embarrassing stories of Chewy segment. I've got a couple. <laughs> not not a lot. Chewy is very... I he, he doesn't embarrass himself. He does embarrassing things, but he doesn't embarrass himself, if that makes <sighs> any sense. It does. Yeah. You know, he's he's a great person, y'all. What else can I say? Aw, see their friends. Good friends. The best. <laughs> All right, everybody. Um, thanks for joining, and I'll see you next time. Bye. Hello, everybody. This is Sergio from Haken. I want to wish everyone a very nice day. It's been a good day here. It is Sunday when I'm recording this, and I looked for Daisy May in my island, and it took me so long to find her, more than half an hour easily. Uh, luckily, I had a lot of stray flowers that I could clean up, so it was it was kind of worth 
the multiple strolls around the island. And when I finally found her, turnips were 104 apiece. So that breaks my turnip buying rule. So I ended up not buying any turnips. But it was a fun time. And my island is as pristine as it gets, which is nice to see. I do have an icebreaker question. And it, this time it is for you, our listeners. I want to know, if you were a ball, what ball would you want to be? And to give you my answer, I would want to be a wrecking ball. You know, those balls that hang from a chain and are used to demolish a building? I would be one of those. I feel like it would be nice to be like strong enough to take down a whole building. That's me. <laughs> well, in, in ball form, let's say. <laughs> but I'm curious what ball you, you would want to be. My topic of discussion for this episode is... In in a way, it's about game design for Animal Crossing in terms of how it was changed between New Leaf and New Horizons. Um, it was considerable, pretty considerable. And I'm not necessarily talking about gameplay features per se, even though that, that's kind of tied to game design. Um, hopefully, as I explain things, you can see what I'm actually referring to. Uh, to. To give you some examples, what changed between New Leaf and New Horizons in terms of game design? I would say the biggest change is that the game, New Horizons, was sort of piecemealed. It was sort of broken up into segments and it was completed much later than when the game came out. I, I want to say at least like one and a half years, you know, when we got the latest, biggest uh, update, the 2.0 update. That's pretty much when the game would be considered complete. Uh, whereas, on the other hand, New Leaf was complete pretty much from the get-go. It did get the Welcome Amiibo update uh, many years after the game came out. And it was a substantial update. Uh, I would still say the 2.0 update in New Horizons was bigger than the update uh, to New Leaf. Uh, but it did happen. The thing with New Horizons is that it happened... Uh, through various updates through a year and a half of the game's release. I mean, it's hard to say uh, without Nintendo's confirmation, but th there are multiple reasons as to why. I would think one of the biggest reasons is that more people have access to the internet nowadays, and it is easier to do game updates and to sort of assume or to be convinced that most players that are playing your game are going to be up to date. Uh, with the updates. And that's why I feel like New Horizons was sort of broken up and completed uh, through a year and a half instead of being completed pretty much from the get-go like New Leaf was. Uh, some examples of this... Um, see, in the 2.0 update, we got a lot of things back. We got gyroids, we got Brewster in the coffee shop... Uh, but we didn't get everything. And I think one of the biggest requests that is still missing is the shop updates. For example, Nook's Cranny being updated even further. Uh, we basically only got one shop update, which is kind of rare and kind of minimalistic in, in a way. Um, uh, it's cool that we're able to move the shop wherever we want on our island. But we are kind of used to at least two... Um, maybe three shop updates, you know, getting the shops to be multiple tiers, even multiple stories. Uh, but in this one, it just became bigger. We got a few more items, but that was about it. Another change that happened that is not necessarily like a gameplay feature, but more of a game design feature. And I think this one, they got it right. 
pretty much is the the fact that the villagers do not move away uh, without asking you first. If we get picky, it might be cool to let you choose as a gameplay option, although I'm not really sure how they would implement it in a natural way. But if you could choose, yeah, I want my villagers to maybe move out on their own like they did in the older games. Or to say, no, I only want them to move out if I agree to them moving out. They need to ask me first. Um, maybe through some sort of villager move out ordinance. I mean, that, that could work. Uh, that could be a way to implement that if we, if for those of us that may want that from the previous games. Another thing that didn't make it into New Horizons is Main Street or the city area. Uh, even though you can kind of make it uh, on your own since now we can move the, bu the, the buildings around, which is pretty awesome. But it still feels like there's no secondary portion to our islands. We do have uh, Harp's Island, which is in a way uh, the substitute to the island in New Leaf. Although there's no mini games, and I feel like that's also uh, one of the big game design decisions that was made in New Horizons that we still don't have, and I feel like the next game in the series should bring it back. The mini games were pretty cool, and now that we have eight players, it would be pretty awesome to have uh, mini games with a lot of people. I, I know uh, a big request of Chewy is to have four versus four mini games, which would be pretty awesome. And I feel like the Animal Crossing development team should be working on something like that for the next game for sure. Another surprising thing in New Horizons is that we got very few brand new villagers. And I understand. Uh, almost like the Pokemon company, you know, there's only so many new Pokemon that they can do uh, before getting into territory that's already been explored, before like repeating Pokemon, uh, doing another cat and just changing the type, you know. Um, it must be tricky with villager designs also, but still, I feel like we, we got very few new ones. Um, we got more on the 2.0 update, but I, I expected more from the get-go and through updates. So I feel like there's something we can expect on the next Animal Crossing game. Um, on a personal level, I would have also liked to, to hear, I guess, more KK songs. We got very few from the beginning. We got more through the 2.0 update. And I feel like what's happening here is that the audio design team that works on the Animal Crossing games, they don't want to repeat genres. So they're only doing songs for new genres. And if that's the case, I'm sure it's difficult to keep exploring new genres because there's only so much you can do, right? So I feel like that's why we got so few. I'm hoping that they start exploring new takes on existing genres that they have done already so that for the next game, we can get a lot new a lot more KK songs, which I would love to hear for sure. I also wanted to talk about the three biggest game design features. I, I These ones are basically game ele gameplay elements, but I wanted to talk about them and how they can be improved in the next Animal Crossing game. For example, outdoor decorating, I would say that's one of the big three, if not the biggest change to the Animal Crossing formula from New Leaf to New Horizons. How can they improve it? There are some ways. Uh, they can let us rotate items uh, 
in between like 45 degree angles. That would be pretty awesome. Um, if we could do more intricate arrangements, kind of like we are able to do so in Happy Home Paradise or when we decorate indoors, we can place things, you know, in the center of a table or on the four edges of the table. Or if they go even beyond that and we can place uh, into different segments of a table or uh, they could get very, very intricate uh, with this. Another thing, this is definitely a, a request by Chewy, outdoor rugs, that would be awesome to have for sure. And if they are able to have less pop-ups or give us more, the ability to have even more items on our island without having pop-ups, because I feel like the next Animal Crossing game, honestly, I'm assuming it's going to be on the next system that is not the Switch. So the next system should be more powerful and it should have less pop-ups in general. Uh, because to me, when you have an island that is packed, like jam-packed with so many other things and you get pop-ups here and there and the game frame rate slows down and chugs down, it, it's a bit of a... Um, it takes you away from the experience because we're not used to seeing that in Animal Crossing games. So I'm hoping that the next game, the next system basically has more horsepower to handle the outdoor decorating freedoms in crazy ideas that are just not possible in New Horizons, at least not without a lot of pop-ups. One of the other biggest additions to New Horizons is crafting. And this is an easy one to improve, right? Everyone and their mother wants this, and I think it's a given for the next game. Bulk crafting. I mean, come on. If we didn't get it as part of the 2.0 update, this has to be something in the works for the next game. It's so easy, and it's just... It's almost like a given. Uh, I feel like we, we should definitely expect that. And I, ca I have another idea of how crafting can be sort of improved or made more interesting in the next game. And I'm going to call it the crafting. Basically, you take an item that you crafted before. And let's say you want branches or you want iron nuggets or stones for another project. And you can say, okay, I'm going to take this item that I crafted to the crafting bench and I'm going to decraft it. I'm going to deconstruct it back into the elements that it once was. And you shouldn't lose any. You should just get them back, right? So that will be um, an interesting way to take an item that you crafted and have it turn into supplies for another crafting project that you may need supplies for. I feel like that would be a, an interesting take on crafting. It would be decrafting. <laughs> and the other biggest addition to the New Horizons formula is definitely terraforming. And in the next game, there are uh, some ways that they can improve on this. They could have more shapes or more terrains. Um, you know, with the way it is now in New Horizons, you can either do either like a, a straight line or either a 45 degree angle. And it would be cool if we are able, or, or you can round it out too, which is very nice too, to have that option. But I feel like in the next game, they could sort of allow us more design choices or more terrain choices too. That would be interesting. Another way, which would be pretty awesome if they did this, is to have half a tier. Basically, so you would have, you know, your typical level ground and instead of having to go one full tier up and having a maximum of two additions, so three tiers in total, maybe they could do half tiers. Uh, so we could have five in total 
that would be pretty cool, right? And have like a mini incline that you could also design. That would be nice. And also allowing us to do terraforming in a faster way. Maybe the tools could be faster or we could have, um, let's say you want to terraform a line that is five spaces in a row. You could sort of say, okay, build up these five segments like this. You could draw a line or you could do a square or a rectangle and have it all come up at the same time or all go down at the same time just to speed it up. And maybe it could be like in Happy Home Paradise that you can do like multiple selections of things. That would be a, a way to speed it up for sure. And another way to speed things up, if they're able to do this on the next system, is to have group terraforming projects. This is something we talked about on the show before. And it would be pretty awesome to have at least four. Um, I'm thinking more than four would be pretty elaborate. It might be too difficult to implement. But if we could have ourselves and either three local people or three friends online come join us for a terraforming project that would be pretty cool even if we don't have the the new faster tools if we can say okay i'm going to start on this corner you start on that corner we'll meet somewhere in the middle that would be a, a cool way to play online with friends do something different other uh, than the multiplayer activities that we're used to and it's a way to speed up terraforming projects for yourself too so that'd be nice to see in terms of talking about game design and not necessarily gameplay features, one big surprise to me is the the fact that there was hardly any integration between New Horizons and Pocket Camp, the mobile game. There were a few, but I expected a lot more, especially when you consider that Pocket Camp has been alive and well for all this time concurrently with New Horizons and we don't see a lot of connectivity between the two. I feel like, honestly, it was a bit of a missed opportunity. It would have been very nice to have them more integrated. Um, so maybe they tried a couple of things here in New Horizons and the next one is going to do even more of that, assuming either Pocket Camp is still around or there's a new Animal Crossing mobile game, who knows. But it would be nice to see. And this kind of ties into a prediction that I wanted to make about the next Animal Crossing game. And I hope this happens because this could be pretty awesome. I'm hoping that the next Animal Crossing game is tied into the next Nintendo system in a more intricate way. To give you an example, New Leaf was on the 3DS. And the 3DS had a couple of hardware, well, not necessarily hardware, but more like uh, system level integrations uh, for those of us that had a 3ds if you remember there were stickers that you could place on the home screen you could have themes that were uh, uh, that were themed i guess uh, to different uh, franchises including animal crossing you could have a kk slider theme in the background and it, it had a uh, music too I definitely have that one on my 3DS. And it was a cool way to sort of personalize your system, but also uh, bring the gameplay outside of the game into the main menu of the system. And the Switch doesn't really do that. You have your icons, but that's about it. There's no themes. There's no... There's We don't even have folders on the Switch. So I feel like the next system could have themes. Um, you know, you would have Animal Crossing themes folder icons, profile icons. You could even select music from the game that would play in your 
main menu, maybe even on the eShop when you're buying games, you could have Animal Crossing themes and music. That would be very nice to see uh, just to integrate the game into your system and they could take it a lot of steps beyond that. Let's say that you arrange a play date with one of your villagers in your island. The Switch itself could make a record of that and remind you. Um, let's say you are playing Pokemon whatever game they come up with uh, in the future, in the next system. And you get a notification. Hey, you have a play date coming up with Eric at 6 p.m. in 15 minutes from now when you're playing another game. That would be a cool way to implement Animal Crossing into the system level uh, of the next Nintendo system. I wanted them to go all out. And they could do this for other franchises, of course. But it would be nice to take your franchise, whatever it is. Um, in our case, it would be Animal Crossing. And expand it and tie it into the next Nintendo system as much as they want to. It would be nice to get notifications, icons, music, themes... They could do so many things. I'm sure it takes time. And I'm sure that's why it took so many years between New Leaf and New Horizons. Because even though we didn't get everything from the get-go, you know, with the 2.0 update, I would say we got pretty much the biggest features from New Leaf back into New Horizons. And like I said, we got outdoor decorating, crafting and terraforming added to the main formula and i think those are mainstays for sure it would be pretty surprising if the next animal crossing game takes these out completely i i don't see how that would happen like i said if anything i think they're gonna expand on them for sure in the next animal crossing game is probably gonna have even more additions to the formula so it took a lot of time and it took taking out some things to get this new formula going. But I think the Animal Crossing development team has a new formula or a, a more refined and more developed formula to build upon. I think the next Animal Crossing game is going to bring everything back that New Horizons has. It might not be there uh, on day one. They might do... I'm pretty sure they're going to space it out again. And it's going to be... I think they're going to do it better this time. Because this was... If you think about it, this was the first time they sort of piecemeal a game like this. There were some good approaches. But I feel like the development team realized what worked and what didn't. And it's going to be even better next time. So, with that in mind, I think the next Animal Crossing game is going to space things out even better. Not necessarily longer, not more than a year and a half, maybe two years tops. But it's going to be done better, I'm hoping. And it's going to have more features in the long run. Who knows? They might add everything back that New Leaf had. And everything that New Horizons has. Plus more. Um, the reason I'm saying this is because with the sales of New Horizons, I'm pretty sure Nintendo as a company overall... They see that new um, that Animal Crossing is a big franchise to them. It's a big seller now. It's a big pillar to Nintendo. So I think it's a pretty safe bet that the next Animal Crossing game is going to be much sooner than we think. And the team is building up experience into making a game that is sort of developed as they go. It's developed as it's out and as they get fan feedback and the 
events and holidays are added in as needed as they occurred in real life. So I think we're going to get that again, but I think it's going to be better handled than New Horizons. Not to say the New Horizons was handled poorly, but I think they could do even better in the next one. And I think it's I think we're going to get that. When that's the question. I'm not sure when can we expect the next Animal Crossing game. In a way I can because I think it's probably going to be on the next system. I'm not really sure when to expect the next system. Uh, Nintendo's president keeps saying that the Switch is going to be a 10-year system and it's in the middle of its life because the Switch just turned five years old this month, a couple of days ago, actually. So let's say he's right. And if he is right and the Switch is going to be around for five more years then I take it back. And I think the next Animal Crossing gate should be on the Switch. So I would expect it within the next three years. Hopefully two, three at the uh, at the most. But I have a suspicion that the Switch is going to get the new system in three years. So the Switch is going to be out for eight full years. And it's going to get games for two more years after that before uh, support starts to dwindle down. And most uh, developers and publishers switch to the Switch 2 or whatever they end up calling the next uh, the next generation system, basically. And I think it would be safe to assume that whenever Nintendo's next brand new system comes out, an Animal Crossing game should be right behind it no more than a year, maybe a year and a half at the most uh, between launch and the next Animal Crossing game. Because I think Nintendo realizes that Animal Crossing sells, and it sells a lot. Not only software, but the hardware. So yeah, those are my predictions as to how the next Animal Crossing game is going to be, where it's going to be, and how it's going to be designed. I hope they add everything back and even more new things. And honestly... It's safe to say that whatever we get, we're going to love it. Nintendo and the Animal Crossing development team, they know what they're doing. They care about the franchise as much as we do. So I think we're in for a treat. I just hope it's soon. I just hope we get it a lot sooner than we think. And I think it's safe to assume that we will, based on the sales of New Horizons. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. I hope I didn't ramble too much, uh, but I hope you enjoyed the talk. And I hope you enjoy this episode of Haken. Thank you for listening. Hey everybody, it's Chewy, and it's I guess it's my turn to talk and ramble, just like Sergio and Nina and Edwin. I am going to talk about how the Switch hardware held Animal Crossing New Horizons back, and honestly, this is usually something that I don't care so much about, and even to that, I guess now, how much do I really care? A, a bit. I care a bit, because I feel like Animal Crossing can be such a better game if it were on stronger hardware. And I think a lot of the attitude with, like, especially Nintendo fans has always been very, like, you know, it's it's about how fun the game is. The hardware or, you know, just how it runs isn't often too much of an issue. But I think Animal Crossing New Horizons, more than, like, any other Switch game even, more than, like, any Nintendo-made game, really highlighted a lot of what is holding Nintendo back in some games. And what I mean by this is just, like, when you play New Horizons, there is this inherent freedom that you have to 
really fill up your town just how you want it. You know, you don't really have to worry about um, a lot of limitations, really, as far as like placing items outside. Uh, you basically can just take an area and really just put as many things as possible in the screen. And what we run into is we see a lot of pop-in, a lot of things just like not appearing quite correctly when you do that. And I'm sure you all have seen like examples of this with like really cluttered islands. I personally really like the cluttered look. I like going for a maximalist vibe in Animal Crossing, especially indoors. But I think because indoors is such a small little segment and everything has the chance to load with that in-between loading screen from room to room, there you don't notice it inside, but outside is really where you see like the, the, the system really chug along and try to fit those things in. And I think there's a few things that happened that made the game feel a little held back to me. Uh, if you have been a long-time listener of the show, then you know where I'm coming from here. I've discussed about like some of the things that I wanted prior to this game's release, and one of the biggest things that I wanted was like I wanted to see one of the key gameplay features of Animal Crossing get taken to the next level. And what I mean by that is the first key gameplay feature is really just like paying off your debt, living off of the place that you are and growing your home, you know? So every time Nook is like, oh, I've got a new upgrade for you, it just felt like a new milestone. You know, it felt like you were making progress in the game. And once that ended, once you were done paying off your house, or at least upgrading it to the biggest it could be, it felt like the game slowed down a lot after that, you know? I think New Horizons does a good job of keeping the game moving beyond that point, and that is wonderful because it added a ton of new gameplay features, but I think the beyond that point for me would have been expanding your island. Like, it felt like the perfect setting for that. Like, you have this island, you can make a man-made island, you can expand it artificially, you know? So I thought, oh, once you've paid off your house, maybe it's like, oh, does this island feel a little bit cramped to you? Maybe we should grow it, you know? Make it a lot bigger. So I really thought the game would lead to that, lead to a point where you could finally expand your island, expand the amount of space you had, expand, and then that expansion can lead to new things like, oh, new shops can be added to your island, new, you can get more villagers, you can get all that sort of thing. But I think once I saw like how free it was to just put as many items as possible and how much the, the system would really chug along once you did that, I was like, okay, it makes sense why they didn't go for that. And so it just left me thinking, like, what could happen to Animal Crossing if it were on stronger hardware that would allow that type of thing? And I know uh, I've talked to um, my friend Mushy about this before, and she was really kind of against it because she liked the coziness and smallness of Animal Crossing. And I'm 
and you know i'm inclined to see that direction and see that like yeah i guess people really appreciate the small town vibe of animal crossing and the things that like just exist because it's so small and cozy but i'm also like no i still i still really need these islands to grow and be bigger and so if the game were on better hardware stronger hardware what would be possible? And so I kind of want to talk about that. I want to talk about like what would be possible if we could have a really strong console run Animal Crossing, and at least like what ideas could the developers could have? Uh, what could they have explored if the developers had stronger hardware? And I'm gonna start with the first one. We were very limited from the get-go by how our consoles could save islands and what data was available to us. So the biggest thing that I thought was going to happen, or I guess I, I keep calling everything the biggest thing, one of the things that I thought was going to happen with the Switch is that every profile would have their own island. Every profile would have their own little space that they could explore. Instead, the developers opted to have every profile just be a new profile that logs into the same island. And while I think that's like, I get it, like they want the experience to be like one of community and one where you can basically share a place with your entire family, there are also a bunch of little things that I think really hinder that experience. Like if you are not the first person to log in and create the island, like, you are not in charge. Like, all of the progress you make in Animal Crossing is really based on the the island representative, basically, uh, in New Horizons. Whoever's the island representative, whoever started the island and became that role, everything only unlocks according to the progress that they make. And... Uh, I don't know. I feel like that really holds it back. And I don't know if that's like a hardware thing. I guess it is because that's kind of how the hardware works. Like you all get a profile. But even then, like that works differently from every other Nintendo game even that is made on the system. Like if I log into Splatoon, for example, I've got my whole own story going on with it. I've got my own equipment, my own gear. Nothing is shared along that. And I guess that gets me into like kind of the shared aspect of New Horizons too. New Horizons, things like patterns are shared across all profiles. And, you know, we only get about a hundred of them, right? And the the one issue that you run into with that is like, you're going to run out of space on the patterns that you use up. You're going to run out of things that you can do and things that you can use as far as patterns go. And then on top of that, like if you used up all the pattern space or if one of your siblings or your, your parents, I don't know, whoever is in the household, like if they also want a pattern, what are they going to do? They can't do anything about it. So the fact that all that stuff is shared across it is just like, ah, oh, it's such it's such a limitation to what is possible. And I guess even beyond that, the first thing that I also think about, uh, at least the one that I brought up, was just the fact that like we cannot add more buildings onto our island. We got, you know, Harv's Island, which is like a little bit of a main street thing, but Oh my goodness, I feel like 
New Leaf, a lot of people love it. A lot of people really like the Main Street in New Leaf. I wanted it to be over. I didn't want to go back to a Main Street thing. I didn't want to go back to the city thing. I just wanted all of the shops available on your space itself, like without going anywhere else. And New Horizons felt like such a good opportunity to do that because New Horizons allows us to really customize things, to uh, uh, customize areas, you know, like your your nook's cranny that you have placed on your island, your able sisters, like the fact that you can put it somewhere and then decorate around it and make it feel so much more alive. I want that experience with all the other shops. And so to see them like separated out to their own island, yes, it just like it make it runs better for the console. It makes it easier to run, but I also feel like how much cuter would it be if Sahara had her little I, I feel like Sahara fits really well with the camper theme. So like it would be so cute if her little camper was a place that could show up on your island, a little thing that you could have as an extra little bonus. I would have loved that. I would have loved that so much. And I think there's like different things that changed between like how the games were designed to like, for example, with the GameCube game, there were little signs across the island and these signs had little tips and things. But the most important thing to note with them was that like they were places where things could spawn. And these signs did exist, like I think in Wild World and City Folk, like they were still around, but homes would spawn in those areas. And then anytime there was like a special visitor that showed up in an acre would show up in one of those spots where the sign would normally be. So there were like designated areas. And I know that's a lot harder to pull off in a game, like even New Leaf and, um, and New Horizons, right? Cause that mechanic, they moved away from that. So it's hard to like figure how to create those like fun little exciting additions to an island but I think in general had the hardware been stronger it could have handled that so like I would love if all the people from Harv's had their own shop on your island that you could decorate around and then like expand that to and this could have been something that they played with with the new the Happy Home Paradise DLC too but like giving people the ability to customize the exteriors to things like say they added exteriors and it's like oh man I I still feel like this is a missed opportunity like why didn't they do this like they gave us the ability to decorate our villagers homes right but like why not give us the ability to also decorate the exterior to shops and stuff outside and even like um the resident services building like give us a new nook cranny exterior give us new able sisters exteriors like i would love to mess with that kind of stuff i don't know if that's necessarily a hardware thing or just an idea that they didn't quite work into it but these are all things that like i want to be addressed and improved in the future animal crossing game because you know new i think each game gets better and better each game introduces new things and does different things differently but i think overall it's growing into a series that does I guess customization, right? Like it's all about customizing, redesigning. And, you know, a lot of people miss like the, the life sim aspects to it. And I do think that can be improved that, oh man, I've got, I've talked about this a little bit in Nintendo Noise, if you all have checked out that podcast too, but there are definitely some things they can do with villagers that can change things, but that that's a topic for another day. Maybe I'll bring it up with uh, Sergio and Nina at some point, but I will say just overall, 
I think if we had stronger hardware, we could explore a lot more of these things and make the game even bigger. And I say like we as if I'm working on it or, you know, any of us are working on it. Like, obviously, this is Nintendo's thing and what they're doing with it. But I think they probably had ideas that they had to cut back on. And, you know, even to the extent where like... I've seen people who take um, the Switch and mod it a little bit, add a camera to uh, the exterior portions of New Horizons where you can, like, turn in full 360 and stuff. And just seeing, like, the things that have been rendered and some things that have not, I'm like, you know, I feel like there was an early build of this game that was probably trying to implement a 3D camera, you know, because that to me would be like the biggest huge step for Animal Crossing. Like, we were so used to seeing it from one particular angle, you know. I guess New Horizons gives us a few more with the camera, but I want to see, like, a big... 3D camera implemented into Animal Crossing because that would change everything. Like, putting buildings not facing forward but having them face the side or the left, you know? Like, that would be such a huge change to the game and just really change how we can experience our game. Like, even looking at the cam- the new, like, pro camera mode that we have where we can see, like, basically in first person and stuff, like, that is just, like, such a little taste of what could be possible. And using that inside of buildings, too, that where you get a lot more ability to move the camera and stuff like doing it in your home like putting your yourself into the first person view and looking around the rooms I'm just like wow this looks so alive this looks cool but one of my favorite places to do that use that camera mode is inside of Brewster's where I'm like look at what a good job they did with this room and your your ability to like look around all of the exhibits and stuff at least Brewster's place I don't think the exhibits quite let you use the camera to that extent there's definitely limitations but Brewster's there's still limitations you can't look at the back wall for example but yeah there are things that you can look at but that would be the next big step for me too like just Give us a big 3D camera. Give us the ability to put buildings outside, put them in different, I guess, arrangements, like not just facing forward. Yeah, there, there's so much that I think would be possible with this game. Just going into like Xbox and PlayStation 5 level strength here. Like that, that to me would be really awesome. Anyways, like the, this is just a little thing. Maybe I'll be able to talk about it more with Sergio and Nina. And I'm sure Sergio, he's a lot better with this understanding than I am too. So I'm sure he'd have really great ideas of like how stronger hardware would do, would benefit Animal Crossing as well. So maybe it'll be something we talk about in the future. But anyways, Thank you all so much for tuning in to this episode. I know it was very different than before, and patrons, I'm sorry we did not get around to doing a Haken Islander. It just felt kind of weird, you know, with us all separated in a different spot. So we will keep the question for this past week available. I'll post it up so we can have the question answered on next week's episode. But I want to thank you all anyways for tuning in, hanging out with us. It was a fun time, and hopefully you enjoyed all all our different little segments and we can talk about more things next week and more things to come. So thank you all so much for tuning into this episode of Haken, an Animal Crossing podcast. If you're sad to see us go, join us over on Discord. You can talk with other people who love Animal Crossing as much as you do, including Sergio, Nina, me, and even Edwin, if he ever shows up there. 
want to support Haken in a bigger way and tell us your answer to the Haken Islander Corner, head over to patreon.com slash chewyplays. One dollar goes a long way to making this show even better and includes tons of goodies for you to enjoy. Get a special role on Discord, read a monthly newsletter, and get many other great rewards. We really appreciate the support and put your money towards some great things on the show. If you're listening on YouTube, what is something you'll miss about playing New Leaf online? Reviews really help the show get discovered by more people. Please leave a review on your platform of choice and let us know how we're doing. Haken is a wild production brought to you by Chewy, Sergio, Nina, and all of our patrons. We thank you for listening, and we hope you have a great week.